This your man, Sean BCU, from the Drop Night Show. Make sure you catch us every Thursday on Water Ice Radio. Gotta go and see the plug, it's the When you let it go for the low, it's the What's your favorite radio show, what's the What's your favorite radio show, what's the Okay, listen to that boy on radio, you get the bottom eyes If I didn't drop night, you show apologize K1, the Sean Beasley on the rise Thursday, 8pm, when it's time to ride No Spotify, I will never compromise Get the tune-in app, that's the power line uh, Water ice radio, the bottom line Tune in, stick to it like an alibi K1, a good money, that's the dollar sign Sean Beasley, get a word, then it's finalized If it's all about a name, what else can I say Find out what's poppin' when you drop it by. Gotta go and see the plug, it's the hot. Won't let it go for the low, what's the hot? What's your favorite radio show, what's the hot? What's your favorite radio show, what's the hot? Yo, it's your man Sean Beasley, and we are back. It's the Drop Night Show, and I got my lovely, and when I say she is lovely. Isn't she lovely? K Wonder. Like, say, hey, everybody, it's me. (laughs) What up? We back, we back, definitely. And it's going to be a great show tonight. Oh, it's going to be a great show. Why is it going to be a great show, Sean? It's going to be a great show because we are playing on the other side of the field. (laughs) We have (laughs) critically acclaimed author Mm -hmm. Victor Carrington to talk, to come and talk to us about his book. Just when you thought you knew me. And man. I don't I don't even know. I mean, I know, but I don't think y'all know y'all how don't know. real it's, it's about to get. Okay. Victor Carrington is a uh, gentleman, African-American gentleman, um, by way of Virginia. Okay. Around that whole area. And yeah. he's been through a lot, y'all. You know what I mean? Mind you, he is a openly gay man. Um and he has a whole vast of experiences that in his book he details. And he'll be here tonight to talk about it as well. Um, and I, I'm just excited because it is juicy. All right. It is some tea. <laughs> it is some shocking uh, going on in this oh, book. Yeah. And I'm just ready to get into it. But before we do that, of course, we got to get into our recap of the current events. Whoa. <laughs> it was a lot going on. A oh, lot going it? on. Oh my gosh, I think that's an understatement. <laughs> it's like where to start. I mean, let's talk about the Black Ink Crew. Yes. Oh my God. Now, what? If you watch the show, you definitely know it's a ratchet, ratchet show. Mm-hmm. Not too often you see them tattoo people. So I'll be like, what is this show really about? Is it about just them fucking each other, dating each other? <laughs> Fighting each other. What is the real story behind Black Ink Crew? What is so, the real synopsis behind the Black Ink Crew? So group? recently, the internet has been going crazy because a video leaked mm-hmm. with Donna. Yeah, she's the light-skinned one with the tattoos all over her body, which also doesn't really know how to tattoo. Tattoo at <laughs> all. Well. Her tats ain't all that. But anyway, homegirl was busting it open in a bathroom stall with one of her co, uh, co her cast members yeah. on top of that and um it, it, it dude was very disrespectful with it he was busting it from the back and rolling a blunt at the same time so it's not like he was really into it so i don't even know if her her pussy was even worth it like <laughs> you yeah because it's like you heard more of the background noise you heard her not moaning you heard him not saying all oh. you heard there were people nothing recording that were laughing and giggling and like oh how 
my God, he's doing two things. I had to kill two birds and one stone and like all this other stuff they were saying. I was just so shocked. Like, nah, I wasn't shocked. I'm sorry. I wasn't shocked. I, I, from her character, you got to believe that's that's, that's girl Yo, style. Uh, one of our IG followers, Ronnie G, just said Donna looked good. She does. Don't she get me wrong. does she's look not, good. She's well, not uh, the thoroughest looking yeah. job, but she's not ugly either. She's not ugly, but she just looks dirty. <laughs> like, she looks dirty. Yo, we not even going to sit here. No, she looks dirty. Why she look dirty, Sean? She looks like, yeah, she looks dirty. I'm just going to leave it like that. Well, look, that's Sean Beasley words. I wouldn't necessarily come out the face and say, oh, girl looks dirty. She just has a certain look to her. How about that? But what kind of class is that? Fucking in the bathroom. Now, my whole How thing, dirty are you? Yeah, I couldn't. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not no dirty, pissy, nasty bathroom stall. You you bent over and inhaling all types of stuff. And like, what was she touching? Was she touching the wall? She was touching. She was she was leaning in on the wall. Ugh. I I just I just I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Sex is good. Sex I'm gonna tell y'all what goes on in the men's bathroom. We don't lift up the toilet seat, and we do not touch stall handles. We just go. So if we going that way, that way, that way, we don't care where it's going as long as it's coming out. So <laughs> now visualize that and see how nasty she well, is. Well, maybe she was that. in the girl bathroom, but I can't say the girl's bathroom is any better because there's some <laughs> trifling females out there as well. I will be the first to say it. But that's Donna. You know what I mean? Big up to you, girl. She she posted on her IG the, your favorite whore or some your, your favorite whore you love to love like <laughs> if you're going to accept that title but mind you old girl was supposed to have a boyfriend too so i don't know if that if she was still with her dude i'm when quite she sure at this, the end of the season they had broke up yeah well yeah now moving on to some more whorish activities <laughs> the whores is taking over y'all not even say the whores i don't know if they whores obviously this no whole black they China whores we're gonna call it like we see it they but, are whores but what about this whole black china thing black china actually um had a video leaked of her giving the most meaty not even mediocre it was the trash the, the, the trash the lifeless, she is the lifeless head job <laughs> of all head jobs like there was no action no moving no no spitting, no gagging, no nothing. She would just put it in my mouth all the way. That's all she said. <laughs> and her Kardashian voice. And yeah, at that girl, she got dragged to hodism and beyond. Like they, they, they did her so dirty. Yo, on the and it's so sad because not one, she's a mother. Yes. Not only that, she has a son. Mm-hmm. Like how down dirty nasty trashy are you but this is the kicker right okay china had control of the actual video it's been recorded tmz other you know um people have interviewed the dude who actually said it was him who was in the video whose penis she was sucking so he said he had recorded it on her actual uh on her phone, so she had control of it. If you're the only one with control of it, my love, how in the hell did it get released? How? You wanna know how? Cause you're an attention seeking somebody. And you need all the help in the world if you went out, you know. Like, at the end of the day, what are you gonna get? What are you gonna get? Uh, Kim Kardashian uh, deal at Pornhub? Like, what? And not even, because the, the, the skills was absolutely horrible. Yo, she's not even... But Kim Kardashian's sex tape was horrible. 
She just laid there like bit bloodest too. Like Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I just but like these, when you, how she was saying certain things in the video. How she was sounding unsexy like a Yeah, how baby. she was sounding sexy. That was a turn on. But yeah. look, if this is all these girls got to do to get these millionaires is just lay there and do the bare minimum, I done fucked up in my life somewhere. <laughs> no, please. You ladies, y'all young girls. I done really fucked up in my life somewhere if all that you got to do. No, please. I'm please. Playing. I'm playing. Carry yourself with some dignity. Please. Dignity. Because... If a guy is going to say, let me videotape you, don't trust him. Because guess what? That video will not stay in his phone. It's going to the homie. It's going to the homie's well, no, homie. You missed it's going what I on just social said. media. You missed what I just said. She had control of the video, Sean. Not the dude. The dude recorded it on oh, so her how, phone. So how did she... How did it get released? Because if she's stating that no one had access she to her phone. She released it. Right. Dun, 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 dun. She's a hoe. But on to bigger and better topics like <laughs> um, the Queen's Court. Now, there's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a podcast, and I really do hope that it comes back, that uh, Kaya, Thug Miss, y'all remember? My neck. My her back. back lick her my, pussy jet a uh, crack. Ooh, my, uh, that's my drum right there. But anyway. Kaya Thug Mrs. had teamed up with a um, a transgender a, a transgender celebrity mm-hmm. um, by the name of T. Madison. T. S. Madison. T.S. Madison. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. And they had uh, this really interesting Dope podcast podcast called The Queen's Court. Yeah. Okay. There is no longer a Queen's Court, or there is, but there is no Kaya. Kaya. Right, because. If you notice, like, sometimes I watch it because they are funny. No, they are. And they, they go Yo, after everybody. They talk about every everybody. single person. There's no no punches held back They talk about the Beehive, the Carters, and the Blue know, Ivy. Kaya don't like Trina, so she's always finding a Trashing way to come Trina. Trashing you know, her. She just, and truthfully, Kaya is like the, 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 like a piece of, I don't know dirty trash that just yo but it's so she sad she's talented she's very kaya talented. is talented you know what don't get me wrong i like kaya but i feel like kaya gets in the way of herself yeah she's for sure. one of those type of people that are like she could be so far gone in this industry has she not gotten in the way of herself and a lot of people do that i i know i get in the way of myself at times we all too. do it so, right we all do it so at the end of the day i feel like Kaya is getting in a way of herself yet again by dismantling this dope podcast that was starting to take off. Mind you, they were getting, they were, you know, getting trending on Twitter. They was trending on Facebook. They were, they, about, were they got trending everywhere. They got approached by Nicki Minaj and, um, you know, a couple other people to actually do a show. Like, and on top of that, they were starting to travel and do their podcast via different cities right. and do a performance for Kaya, which is like. Bring, bringing the dead back to life. You know yeah, because I mean? she, she don't perform nowhere. <laughs> and the thing was, T.S. Madison has more fans than Kaya. Like, if you go to a T.S. Madison video and go to a Kaya video, there would be maybe four to 500 watching Kaya. There are 20,000 people watching T.S. Madison. What that podcast was doing was bridging 
uh, the LGBT community with the straight world, and it was working. But Kaya, she started throwing slurs at the LGBT community. She started saying how T.S. Madison stole from her. Now, T.S. Madison said nothing to this day negative about Kaya. So you always going to see it's always Kaya who's diminishing her career. And I agree. Like I said, she gets in the way in her, of herself. And um, I feel like she just needs to take a step back, you know, think about it. Because, like you said, T.S. has never said anything rude or ill about. She's always been my sister, my sister. I'm not going to get out here and disrespect my sister for y'all to, like, just, you know, play with or whatever. And she really did, I feel, try hard to keep the show together. But I don't know if that show will continue. We will stay tuned and let y'all know because it's a funny show. If y'all never seen it, make sure y'all go back and check the Queen's Court out. Um, but moving on, um, this is sad. Um, Wendy Williams. Yo... It come out. It just came out. Wendy Williams just found out she has Graves' disease, and um, so all the trolls who was trolling her when she passed out. Mm-hmm. Now you see it was not the drugs that allegedly people were saying. She, Wendy, she works really hard. Now, as a female in this industry, y'all have to work ten times harder than we do. And she is working. Not only that, she is a mother and a wife. And plus, she was not dealing with just her show. She was dealing with public humiliation with her husband ah. running around with a thought. A thotty, thotty, thotty. So, um. <laughs> yo, much but, respect but to Wendy Williams. That, okay, respect to her, definitely. But is it that, or did she drop too much weight at one sudden time? Like, yo. Wendy went from... Big girl Wendy to like thick girl Wendy to straight up pencil walking thin like number two pencil walking thin Wendy yeah. and she is a like a big boned individual period like she wears a size 11 12 shoe like I'm quite sure she, her back be hurting too then on top of that you got them big air boobs like she just I feel I don't know whatever it is Wendy we're gonna pray for you because we want you to get better how you doing Wendy you know what I mean okay she be stay getting my cousin his check so I definitely want Wendy shout out to Lloyd because Lloyd definitely um he follow us he like our posts Lloyd Boston be on Wendy Williams all the time doing the fashion reviews and I want to continue to see him on her show and I want to continue to hear about Miss Wendy and all the tea she be spilling but let's get into this next song yo when I tell you. This man comes out. I don't care if it was he's been going for 10 years, 15 years. Joe know how to create a single. He do. Joe is always like Joe knows how to create a single. Joe is always knowing how to reinvent himself. Yeah. He always stays with the times. And on top of that, he's just a good ass dude. Shout out to Fat Joe. Um, here we are about to get into Pick It Up. Fat Joe featuring Dre from Cool and Dre. Let's Pick go. It Up. Let's go. It's the drop night show. Yeah. On Water Ice Radio. And we're back. It's the Yo. Drop Night Show. That was Fat Joe featuring Dre. Pick it up. From Cool and Dre. Pick it up. Um, you know what? I just want to give a major shout out to our interns. All right. Water Ice Radio has yeah. the dopest interns of all times. Shout out to Kira and La- La- Na- Lima. Lima. Yo. I was, about to say, I was about to say Naomi in a minute, but I'm Yo, sorry. Yo, but KB singing. KB singing. So we do got... 
a little I can say we working on a live event. So we are gonna be looking for people to come and perform. Oh, I do sing. Y'all wanna hear my singing? No, no. Nope, right we right. do not want to hear your singing, please. <laughs> Yes, that, definitely stay tuned. The Drop Night Show is definitely going to be expanding. We got a, doing lot a lot of stuff about a the lot uh, more lot going on. Yeah, we're really excited about this. You know what I mean? Like, God has blessed us to be able to be at the Water Ice family. And because of that, we're able to expand and grow and do more things. And, you know, we're going to take everybody with us. You know what I mean? It's only going to get bigger and better. But let's get back into the current events. Um, mind you, everyone, we have Victor Carrington, um, you know, a critically acclaimed artist, coming in, author, excuse me, coming in, talking about his book, just when you thought you knew me yeah and he is a part of the lgb community the book is very crazy it's very juicy i want um you know the, the questions i had just from the chapters i read i was like god damn like whoa <laughs> <laughs> so everyone definitely stay tuned for that um but and the book was amazon bestseller it was it yeah. was it definitely was so it's it's about to be like whoa in a second so stay tuned Yo, for that listen Okay, so if y'all remember, the internet went crazy because a NFL, he was an NFL star for the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. He allegedly set up his baby mom mm-hmm. to kill her because he did not want her to have the son. Was she, was they dating or she was like a jump No, off? they was dating. Okay. So she, it did. What's I his remember, name? His name's what? His name is Ray... Karouf. Okay. He's about to get out of jail for almost serving 20 years for allegedly setting up his baby mom to kill her. Excuse me. He yeah. wanted to kill her while she was pregnant with his baby. Yeah. So that's the kicker. No, no, no. No, yeah, it is the kicker. He And then he did get go to jail for it, okay? He no. got he, Didn't he get... A, didn't he get... Um, He actually went to jail because of that. Yeah, but the kicker is... Oh, no. The kicker. Okay, so there's another kicker on top of the kicker. Yeah. So. The kicker is the baby survived. The baby survived. Mm-hmm. And the mom died. guess what? What? This nigga want custody of his son that he really didn't want. That's why his mother is dead. So, say, okay, just so y'all may or not. How Sean, sick is Sean that? be giving all little, little, <laughs> all over the place. All right, so the 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 NFL star Ray Carruth, he was in a relationship with a lady. The lady wanted to get him pregnant. He didn't want the lady to keep the baby, right. so he plotted to kill the lady and the baby. The lady wind up dying, but the baby survived. He wind up going to jail for more than twenty years. He is now about to get out and now wants custody of the baby. No, the boy is what eighteen. Yeah, he wants the like. Yeah, why would you want like, bro, already a whole like, what is wrong with you? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, when I tell you there's some crazy people out there, there's some and crazy if anything, he people. Does, he does not deserve to even look at that child. He does not deserve to come in any contact whatsoever with that child. And the child said he did not want anything to do with that man. And if I was that young man, I would want him to get a restraining order on him. Because that, by all means, um, it's it's pretty it's plenty psycho. Even though, granted, he's been in jail for over twenty years and he's probably had enough time to you know f- uh, think about the situation and obviously have remorse for it. And maybe the kid will be you know big enough to be like, you know what? Maybe I can try to have a relationship with him. Hell at no. At the same time, no. 
I don't know. That would be very <laughs> no. difficult knowing that this is a man that took my mother away from me and also <laughs> and tried, tried to, to kill take me. me. So <laughs> no. that one is a, a woozy. A big woozy. So um, moving on, Chris Rock. Woo-hoo-hoo. Chris Rock had a, uh, a Netflix special that came out. Is this the same one that um, – was it Netflix or, 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 yeah, I think it was Netflix. The same one that, <laughs> what's her name, was talking about. Oh, Monique. Yeah. Yeah. Him getting all that money for her. Well, anyway, Chris Rock got people totally upset all about this Netflix special. Um, basically, he was stating and said in a laughing matter that the police need to kill some white kids every once in a while to make it look better. <laughs> Instead of just always killing black people and kids, they should also try to kill some. And by all means, no one here at the Drop Night Show or Word Ice Radio condones we that. We condone none of that. None of that. It was that, that really was of ill taste for him, even if it was a joke. It's not a joke to, you know, for any, if, to laugh and matter about anybody dying. You know what I mean? Especially no damn kids. Especially when you have these school shootings at those kind of schools and they are getting killed. We not getting killed. They're getting killed in their own schools. Well, I think he was saying it more on the less of like, you know, the to, the Tamar Browns and Trayvon Martins and how the cop, uh, you know, not even that, but the cops didn't kill Trayvon. But when these cops go out and are killing these kids, you know, um, for maybe having like a water gun, I think he's talking along that line, not necessarily talking about the school shootings. But either way, none of it is to be said. And he, uh, you know, as an adult, should have had um, a little bit more clues about it and what he did. So... They need to cancel his contract immediately. <laughs> he already got the money. He made off like a fat rap. But immediately. I doubt, I doubt it's going to get any. Um, he's probably going to have to find a way to spend that or because it's, it's definitely going to mess with his money moving forward because it is a sensitive time in this in this country. Speaking of gun reforms, let's uh, it's guns. Let's talk about gun reform. Um, so you see the what is his name? I can't think of the guy who runs. The um the NRA the NRA mm-hmm. he stated that basically he's coming at the politicians anybody who's saying that they should do a gun reform yeah um and more particularly like uh, Trump actually sat down with the kids Trump and his 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 whatever they constituents. are constituents I don't know what they are they're just a bunch of followers um <laughs> sat down with the kids yesterday and tried to have like this whole look about them about oh yeah we want to figure out what we can do to help you guys and they suggested bringing you know guns to the school for the teachers they suggested all of these moronic ideas okay that just are just like absolutely not and um so the NRA still very much so one of the kids actually had said because this has been an ongoing thing like there were actually um, on CNN they had Mark Rubin or Mark Rubio I forget yeah but Rubio yeah Rubio he was talking at a town hall and the kids down there in Florida who actually went through it one of the kids proposed why don't you stop taking money from the NRA and he really couldn't say anything he was actually kind of shell shocked about the whole situation so that was kind of interesting and I like to see that these kids are actually like yo stop it already like cut it out but what's even more crazy about this gun reform the NRA they go around they do all these different you know um, 
conventions and so on and so forth. So the new convention is coming to Dallas. Oh, boy. And the mayor out there in Dallas is saying he does not want them to come. I believe it's going to be next month. He's like, no, don't come. Find somewhere else. It's going to bring too much drama. You'll have a lot of protesters. He doesn't want it in his city. And he's asking for other politicians to help him as well, which he should. You he know should. I mean? Like, he right. should. And they are, he's, he's now getting death threats. He's now going through all this headache and, and you know, just just craziness because he doesn't want that in his city. But Which I, is sad because this man sees the bigger picture. Those guns mm-hmm. that's landing in these, these people's hands that's doing these kind of catastrophes. Catastrophes? Yes, I uh-huh. couldn't get the word out. <laughs> Yo, it's sad. And... Why would you sit there and threaten someone who wants to make someone uh, a better situation for these make kids? Make it safe. He wants make to right. it, He want to make it safe. Now, this it, it's, there's no real way to have gun reform in America because the Second Amendment allows the people to have guns. And the reason why, if you know your history, the reason why it's in the Second Amendment is be so that the government can't control the people. That was in there specifically by the forefathers of America so that the people would still be able to have some type of control if there was ever some type of government issued whatever to, 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 to you know. So that's why it's a very sensitive topic, but I do feel strongly that they need to find a way to actually reform it when it comes to certain individuals having the access to get a gun. And that's really what it boils down to, is having the access to get the guns. You know what I mean? We got to find a better way to go about that. You know what I mean? You can't have mentally challenged people. You can't have, you know, uh, just... Anybody with a criminal record, period. Not even, because there are people with criminal records who don't even or ever thought about having a gun. They have a criminal record because, oh, they stole some money or, oh, they had some marijuana on them. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. You know what I mean? It's the sickos who get a hold of these guns. You know what I mean? These racists and all these other stuff who get a hold of these guns. There's certain individuals. Anybody with a criminal record doesn't make you a bad person. It definitely doesn't make you um, not able to carry a gun. That's just dumb. You know what I mean? Not every criminal is bad. Um, But that's that. So moving forward, um, (laughs) you know, Talking about all this stuff with with uh, gun reform and all that. But guess what? The, A sad story. What? Pastor Billy Graham. Uh, is that sad? Did That's you know sad. him? I used to wake up in the middle of the night. You know how you wake up in the middle of the night and you just turn on the TV, you hear him preaching. Him preaching. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, rolled he, back over and went and kept the rest of my Z's. Oh, but he wasn't so. asking for money though. Wasn't he? <laughs> Not when Lies. I used to watch. Excuse me. Every time you, that man was on TV, there was definitely a section where he was asking for some damn money, so I don't want to hear it. But either way, he did pass away. Pastor Billy Graham died at age 90. No, I no, thought, no. He, he was at, been... no, no, no. 99. Oh, 99. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. He was almost 100 years old. Damn. That is he, amazing. Damn, he almost crossed the finish line. 
<laughs> he basically did. If you win the 99, you win it to 100. But, you know, uh, in, tra- in transition from that, there was a pastor that you had mentioned that said some oh, crazy stuff. Oh, my goodness. What happened exactly? Because I seen what you uh, sent it to me, but I really didn't. I was like, uh, Yo, I don't crazy. even want to promote his name. So he says he has a... A church here in Philadelphia. There's a black preacher now. A black preacher. Right, okay. So this is what he tells his members. I remind you, there's members that's men and women. Men and women, okay. He tells them, he says, any girl who wear a weave is a whore. Uh. Anyone who wear makeup is a whore. Uh. Anyone who paint their fingernails is a whore. Okay. Any female pastor is a whore. Female pastor? He goes in on females being whores. Like, it's video. I want y'all to go search Pastor calling female whores, and he's going to come up. He'll be one of the many, probably. Yeah. To watch that video was very disgusting. I have a mother. I have a niece. I have aunts. I have... Female friends. I have a grandmother. He's a male like, chauvinist. How dare you? He's a male chauvinist, and a female probably scorned his ass, so that's why he went and said those things. But you know what, Pastor? God bless you. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, God bless you. Because I really want to say some other stuff, but I'm gonna say God bless you. Um, but you know what? Let's get into this next song, and we're gonna talk about. Uh, bl- I'm, listen, I'm rooting for Remy. Like, I am. You know, we're going to talk about women, especially beautiful, brown, melanated women. We have Remy Ma with Chris Brown and that melanin magic. Yeah. On the Drop Night Show on Water Ice Radio. Let's go. Yo, and we are back. It's the Drop Night Show. Me, K Wonder. And we have our guest, Victor Carrington, in the building. Yeah. He didn't give me instructions on how to get in the building. <laughs> oh, here oh, you yeah. go. It's, it's like Fort Knox. It's Fort Knox. You, nobody yeah, you, get nobody can get in here. We be outside like, oh, is it going Nobody can get in here. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, the one thing I want to talk about, all right. You have your book. Yes. Just, Just when, when you, you thought, thought you, you knew me. Knew me, everyone. This is the book. <laughs> All right. Mind you, I don't know if we can get a zoom in on what he's wearing. Okay. But he is a fresh to death in this outfit. Okay. So I want everyone to um, definitely. Okay. So you started writing this book. When did you start writing it? At what point? It started as a college essay in 2002, and I didn't know I was writing a book. Really? Wow. Okay. The, I uh, went into English class one day and the topic, she had a bunch of topics on the board mm-hmm. and you can choose anyone to write about, but the only one you couldn't fictionalize was in the life, the occurrences in the life of. Mm-hmm. And at the mm-hmm. time, I didn't understand why I chose that topic, but I did. And I wrote about the criminal part of my life. But at that time, I was in Virginia. I had only been home a couple of years and I was in the school and I was doing everything I could to keep people from knowing I was a convicted felon because it was so hard in Virginia to get jobs mm-hmm. as a convicted felon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I understand that was part of my journey mm-hmm. and that was meant to happen the way mm-hmm. that it did. Mm. Awesome. That is very interesting. Um, so when you start the book, you mentioned how you were born in Newburgh, Germany. You were an army brat. Uh-huh. You were an army brat. Yes. And you moved with your aunt at an early age who's raised you, well, for the most part, kind while of. your parents were still in Germany. Right. And 
you were explaining how that was like a great feeling. Your aunt loved you so much, so much guidance and all of this. And then your mom and dad moved back into the U.S. Correct. And just give just us a brief um, stroll down memory lane of what it was like when your parents got back. You know, like you were at what age was this? It was early on. They came back and we lived in... New York and then Philadelphia. Okay, so and you were familiar with Philly oh, streets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, when they split, when I was six, we were back in Virginia at that time. Mm-hmm. And they split. It was it was rough because my dad was is he's a piece of work. I mean, he was really abusive mm-hmm. physically and okay. verbally. He's a very mean man. He's is just, it because of the military aspect no, of his just, life, or just, that's just generally just, how he is? He's just a mean man. He's okay. um, a really selfish guy. His mom, my grandmother, babied him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was the youngest boy, and anything he did, he got away with it. And uh, he wasn't held accountable for his bad behavior at all. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so you're you're back living with your parents, and you um, you know you said your mom was abused by your dad, and you remember feeling so much hatred toward him and wanting to always protect your mother. Correct. Um, so then your mother introduces you to shoplifting after they split. After they after split. After they split. So she what got age caught. was that exactly? I was six. Okay. She got caught shoplifting at a grocery store called Winn Dixie. When, oh yeah, Winn everybody Dixie. know Winn Dixie in the South. <laughs> she got caught, and I don't know what made her teach my sisters and I how to do it. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it now, if I had to make a guess, I would say that it was because she had gotten caught and she didn't want to get her hands dirty anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she okay. put her kids to it. But because they were daddy's girls, they didn't really do what she wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. I was the mama's boy, and I did whatever she asked me to do. Mm-hmm. So that became my way of life for her. But when reading the reading the book, what? Why did you feel like that was the only way to get some kind of affection from your mother to do those kind of criminal things? I don't know if. At that time, what was going on, I just knew that she was very unhappy with my dad. Mm-hmm. And when they split and when this came about, these things made her happy when I would bring her stuff that she wanted. Mm-hmm. Or she would have me, you know, she would tell me stuff that she wanted. And it reached a point where, as I got older, she would just be around me and would say, I sure wish I had this. I wish I had that. And that's all I needed to hear. That was my trigger, and I was off to get it. Wow. And so when I put the book together and I mentioned that, it was... I took a moment to think, well, maybe sometimes she really wasn't on the phone with someone, you know, by the time I became a teenager because she knew that's all I had to do was hear it. Hear it. My mom is a hustler, you know. She seems she, very manipulative as well. She's very yeah. manipulative. She's very manipulative. Wow, okay. So, fast forward, um, you, 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 you get into your whole works or your career, so to speak, at a young <laughs> That's age. That's exactly what it was. It was a career. A career at a very <laughs> young age of becoming this um, straight-up booster. You were, like, the big booster. I, I've heard, and, I mean, when I was reading the book, I was like, how do you boost an air conditioner? Okay. <laughs> but wait, wait, I'm fast-forwarding to this. So because you um, were doing these Ill, illegal things to please your mom and just, you know, feel some type of like you're doing something for her, you wind up going to um, juvie at a young Several age. Several times, yeah. Several times. So, tell us a little bit about that. 
being pulled out of the home, it was it was tough because that what I thought was that was my support system. Mm-hmm. So it was really tough the first time they pulled me out. I remember we were living in these apartments and my mom, we were friends with this white girl and her daughters and whatever. And I ran over and told her, said the police are looking for me. She said, get in here, close the door. And she went over there to find out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And they came back and said, yeah, you got to go. Um, so I went to the detention home in Danville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it was rough because... You know, at that time, I thought my mom was my best friend, mm-hmm. and then I'm being taken away. I'm not at home, and it was just—it was hard. It was hard. Mm-hmm. Do you? Why did you feel like she didn't protect you at that point? I don't think there was anything she could have done at that point because the charges had already been filed. Mm-hmm. It was a petty larceny charge or something like mm-hmm. that. But coming home, there was no discipline. Mm-hmm. There was no. You cannot do this. Mm-hmm. You have to stop this. It was more so, oh, I wish I had such and such. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Constantly. Wow. So she continued to use that, you know, manipulation to get oh, more yeah. things. So, all right. Then, you know, you get out of that. You come back home. It's sort of like an in and out, in and out thing. Uh, what would you? All right. So now I want to get to this air conditioner thing. Because you said as you got older, <laughs> all right. Things you got, got bigger. Yes. The things trash can. Bigger. It started with, okay, he said he was at, like, you know, a Macy's or somewhere, a mall. You were in a mall. You were at a specific specific. It was store a value mall. city. A, oh, it was a value, it was city. A value okay, city. Okay, so you're at the value city, mm. and he's like, you know what? The, I see a trash can over there. So you started to load well, the trash can up. How interestingly that came up, it was really weird. I, I've always been really quick on my feet. Yes. Okay. And my mom and my little sister have been in a car accident. And so this was the day before thanksgiving uh-huh and people were out doing their last minute grocery shopping they had got their little checks from the accident so they were out shopping and no one was buying me anything <laughs> so i'm in the store walking around no one is saying victor get this in the basket victor do this so i'm seeing all this stuff that i liked all these shoes and it was about five or six pair of shoes yeah thinking how am i get these shoes out of the store you know and i knew i couldn't trade them out for the one pair because then you know that would defeat the purpose of right so I was just walking around the store, just not even really looking for a way. But then I just was in the men's department walking, and I saw this trash can that someone had left there. It was a kitchen-sized trash can. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me, put the shoes in this trash can. <laughs> and so <laughs> I grabbed the trash can and went into the shoe department and put all of them that I wanted in there and just walked out the door with it. And it felt so exhilarating. It was like a high for me. So each time you stole, you felt that way? Oh, wow. God, yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Because I had such an ego with this, I couldn't be touched. If mm-hmm. if I put it in the basket, it was mine. Wow. It was not Especially to stay. a damn air conditioner. It was yeah. not to stay in the store. Uh-huh. And how the, how the air conditioner came. Please. But the trash can, eventually, it just continued to grow. Because I had a friend of mine that would come check me out of school. Uh-huh. And we would go up there. And we would hit this store two and three times a week. Mm. And within a matter of weeks, we were at a 45-gallon trash can. Because wow. I had the heart to do that. No one else had the yes, heart. Yes, you that. have to have balls of steel <laughs> to do some shit like that. And we're not trying to give no boosted 101 class right, right. now. Because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> boosted 101. But, but I mean, if you're going to do it, you have to be good at it. And, right. and, and I was, this was my life. And because I didn't have anyone saying, this is not right. You right. should not do this. Your aunt. Okay, because uh, backtracking, you stole from your aunt. 
my but mom she, had me stealing money on my aunt's purse. Your aunt's yeah. purse, but you, your aunt still forgave you and because loved you Because she knew that. I didn't have the money. I was maybe seven or eight. I yeah. didn't have the money. So she knew I had to be giving it to I my I mean, mom. that's what kids do. So like, your aunt never was like, Victor, no, no, no? She used she to ever? say that to me, but... I got scared. Something happened, and I got scared and moved back home with my mom. Mm-hmm. So my aunt only had one son mm-hmm. who was an adult, lived in D.C., married with his own child. His wife did not like mine at mm-hmm. all, so she wouldn't let her son come home. My mom, thinking she has all the answers, would go to, like, these voodoo doctors, mm-hmm. root doctors and things in the, in the South. And she took my aunt over to one, and we went on this Sunday, and I would never forget this day. Because the house just stunk. I mean, it literally stunk. And she took my aunt out back to her. She put a root on your aunt? On your aunt. Child. So she took her out back to the little um, shed that she kept all of her concoctions in. And I remember when she came in back in the house with my aunt. We were ready to go. She gave her the instruction. You remember what I told you? You're going to pour this jar into the river that flows whichever way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you're going to go out on the back porch and you're going to call his name three times every night before you go to bed. And you're going to chew on this root. To get her son to come? To make her son come home. Because okay. he wouldn't come home. She hadn't seen him in years. And they he was her only child. So they were really right, close. right, right, right. I wow. think that's why she clinged to me so much. Yes, right. I was about to say that yeah. as well. So I was a kid. I didn't think anything about it. You know, we did stop by the river and they did get out and she poured it and... I didn't think anything about it. And every night I would hear her on the back porch, Josh, 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 you know, still not thinking anything about it. Mm-hmm. That third day when the bus pulled up, his car was in the driveway. Wow. And when I went in, I hugged him and I said, what are you doing here? He said, I don't know. I just got in the car and started driving. And it literally freaked me out. It literally wow. freaked me out. Woo-hoo. And I said, okay, I, I can't stay here. So that's when I went back home with my mom. Whoa. Yeah. You know, voodoo. Voodoo is, listen. I mean, I can't are, are say that bo- has something to do with it, but I know that it literally <laughs> freaked me out when I saw it because I said, I don't know. You, you know, you it freaked me out. You ain't got to be a brain scientist right. to know that. Yeah. that. No, but, you know, that's a whole other topic. We're going to save that. But, um, so, okay. Whew, man. And the shit gets deeper. Yeah. All right? So he. he this just scratching the surface. Pretty much. And mind you, like. I wasn't even, I'm still reading this book. I ain't even going to hold you or lie. I'm still reading the rest of this book because <laughs> I had so much going on. But um, you get locked up again. At this time, you're a uh, teenager at this point, right? Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm jumping back and mm-hmm. forth, mind you. Oh, yeah. All right. Let me go back. You said at a young age that all the kids in your neighborhood had the tree houses. And Club that houses. was when you, clubhouses, Club. okay. So that's when you first had your um, encounter, your 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 somewhat ideal or feeling of liking the same sex. No, when I was five, I knew something was off, but okay. I didn't know what it was. I could look at my dad's friends and feel some type of way. Oh, oh. right, because you did say you were different and right. you felt I like you were different. I didn't know what it was. I mean, it was a kid. I didn't know what I was experiencing. I didn't know, but when we had these, I was. Growing up, I wasn't a popular kid. I didn't get invited to the cool kids' table, Mm -hmm. you know. And early on, I found that me making other people laugh is what made them, what I thought, like me. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, me giving them things made them like me. 
not knowing at that time they were just using me for a giggle or for whatever they well, wanted. Were, right. Also knowing that my mom and my sisters did the same thing. Mm-hmm. That they only used me for what they wanted. And then the moment they got it, I wasn't any good to them until they needed it again. But I was so insecure. Wow. I would always go back like a, you know, puppy wagging, wagging his tail. Like, yeah. okay, I'm happy to be back, you know. So, and that's how that was. But with that guy, um, he gave me attention. You know, and he made me feel different. Mm-hmm. And I used to rush home and couldn't wait to change my clothes to go to my clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't have friends. And, you know, people picked on me a lot. I was a little small kid with a big head. And so his name is David, right? In the book, it's, it's David. David. Okay. Oh, okay. So you oh, so you wasn't you using real people's names. I, yeah, I didn't use the real names. No, That's it's good. not my place to out That's them. good. That's okay. good. That's good. So David in the book... Um, you became your friend, and ultimately, you guys were in a relationship. And Not a re- We've first. never been in a relationship. We well, were a sexual just, relationship, right? We were just pretty much, yeah. But we had some type of special connection where people didn't know he was gay. Right. right. He would never identify himself as gay. And you didn't know you were gay until you kissed him that first time. Or... And even then, I still didn't know what it was. Okay. Because uh-huh. this is a country, and back then, you were labeled a faggot or a punk. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't know what I was doing. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I didn't know what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what it was until I went to prison the first time. And this gay guy from Petersburg told me, he said, you're gay. And I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. And I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to help you get through this thing. Because I was a kid. I was 18 years old. Wow. So what did he mean, wait on you? Because he wanted me to come out on my own. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to be able to help me as far as teaching me the ropes. I was in prison at 18. Right. So coming out easily, that was free game for people to come in and take advantage of How old are you now? 46. So do you you think... I look 46, honey. Okay? That is that good gene and that good skincare. Okay? (laughs) What they say... No, what they say... What what they say... Gel preserve... The looks, no, right? Gel don't preserve your looks. It actually no, ages you. But if you in there doing, you know, because if you think about the stress of it all, yes, people yeah. be in there going out yeah, their yeah, mind. You know, I know. I was in prison myself, and <laughs> well, I don't look it. But um, <laughs> jumping back to you, um, so the jail the first time you're in there. You, you didn't want to come out, right? Or you found you, you said the gentleman told you you were gay. You said, no, I wasn't. Right. Then ultimately you realized, okay, maybe I can be gay because I'm in a whole different state or nobody really, I'm in a place where nobody knows me. And that was your Correct. main thing. You were scared because you didn't want your family and everyone to find out as Correct. if you were gay. So you're, Well, you remember before then, my mother had threatened to take me to a psychiatrist because I had oh, never had, had a girlfriend. girlfriend. Right, so right. So the idea of liking men openly wasn't mm-hmm. something I was willing to do because I didn't want anyone calling me those names that they were referring to openly gay dudes in Halifax. I didn't want that. So you never had an encounter with a female? I ended up getting a girlfriend. You mm-hmm. didn't read the book. No, 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 no. I read it. No. I didn't read it. I was like, no. I read the book. I girlfriend my senior year in high school only right. to kill the rumor that I was gay. Okay. Because I, I haven't called that all my life. Did you my have voice sex with her? Al- I did. Okay. My voice had always been soft. Um, I've always had kind of feminine-like mannerisms. Mm-hmm. I've always been looked at as a gay guy mm-hmm. growing up, but that wasn't the name they called me. Mm-hmm. Even my cousins, Wilma and David, used to call me, you know, Victor old punk faggot. You know, they used to say that. Okay. Wow. And then my little cousin, Nico, who is their nephew, who is also gay, uh, 
his mom and I, before she got killed in a car accident, were very, very close. And they used to say that to him about, you're going to grow up to be like Victor, you know. But I didn't know anything about that until he became an adult and told me that. Because I wow. didn't see him growing oh, up wow. a lot. So he's gay now? He's gay. Okay. And, and happy and free. Oh, good. And, yeah. Good. So, because, you know, times are different, so they have a little bit right. easier. Right. Now, though, his family, our, my fa- our family is still negative because mm-hmm. some of them never come outside it's of the country. It's hard. They yeah, they never left their corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? They street. I know exactly. Yeah. So, all right. All this is taking place in the 80s, mind you, everyone. Um, So, you're 18 years old in prison for the first time and you decide to come out. Were you scared of being in prison like that? Did you think you I would get beat up? I was scared of Did being you? in prison because it was a different atmosphere. It wasn't the juvenile. When I was in the detention home, the staff always protected me. I was a little small kid. I didn't start mm-hmm. to grow until I got in high school. Mm-hmm. And... They would protect me, make sure no one was picking on me and, you know. But when I got to prison, it was like every man for himself. Mm-hmm. And so I was really mm-hmm. scared. Even in the jail, I was very nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear rumors, you're going to get raped, you're going to get beat up, whatever. And I just didn't want that to happen to me. And this guy, this gay guy who said, you know, I'm going to help you through this, whatever. He was like, we need to get you a husband, you know, so you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. And he knew guys when I was like, yeah, you know. But then when I came out, it felt like a weight was lifted off of me. Completely, right? Because I yeah. had never really been me. Yourself, right. And wow. it was, I was always trying to put on airs for other people. Right. So it felt like a real weight had just lifted off of me. And I had fun with it. I didn't have sex. At, you was in there cutting up. I, I, no, I didn't have sex at that instant when I came out. But I did have a friend, and his name was Troy. And, you know, we were, he was just more like a protector. Because mm-hmm. I was, remember, I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So people, for some reason, which I appreciated now, always felt the need to protect me. Yeah, and, that, and when when reading the book, and mind you, I'm jumping around, but, you know, you, you were in the jail, um, playing between the bars. <laughs> you. the <laughs> I lost a bet. <laughs> Had to kiss a guy, you know. Then you go to prison and you, um, you know, you come out. Then, you know, I'm jumping around. You get a boyfriend who winds up, while you were in jail, Wait y'all were boyfriend. That was on the second day. The second time. Right, I had so. grew up a little bit, but not as much. But we won't get into that. Okay. Because that part of the break. story let's go to a break. is crazy. So much more. I don't even know if we go, we gonna have to jump to the end and all this other stuff. But yeah, it's it's Victor. I mean, you would think it would be like a really big book with everything, but I didn't want to fluff this book. I didn't want you to think I was walking through the forest and the sun was bright and you had a build up. <laughs> I just dove straight in it. You did. So you would think with everything that I put in here that it would be like a three hundred page book, but I didn't want that. And I don't think you needed three hundred pages. Did this come out? This it book? came out December twenty nine. And so oddly, when this came out. So I had did this whole big promotional thing because I was contracted with two different book companies. Right. And we set it up that January 4th, I believe it was, was going to be released in 2016. Mm-hmm. Did this promotional video, put it out. Everybody was like, what Victor writing a book? What is this about? You know, because I'm very guarded with my personal life. This is the only time anyone would ever get any part of my personal life. Mm-hmm. When I'm dating or with someone, no one even knows it. My mm-hmm. friends don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when... Um, I put the announcement out that the book was coming. It really sparked a lot of interest. And mm-hmm. I started getting all these phone calls about, what, is, what are you writing? What is this? Blah, blah, blah. Well, then on each occasion with the book companies, the content readers got it and said, oh, no, you need to make this all fiction. 
you need to change really? everything. And I said, wow. but wait a minute, it's my autobiography. Why would I make it fiction? Right. And so I called an attorney, mm-hmm. and I used Superhead's book as an example because mm-hmm. I know she did not have those guys' permission to spill to all say that any dirt of that. on them. Right. They Hold on. Okay. We're going to get... Listen. Let's go to a break, and we're going to get back into that real quick. Um, we're going to get into the weekend featuring Kendrick Lamar. Pray for me. Right now on the <laughs> Drop Night Show on Water Ice Radio. <laughs> why do you need prayer? <laughs> I'm just saying, why do you need prayer? And we're back on the Drop Night Show. It's your girl, K-Wonder, Sean Beasley. Yeah. Um, Water Ice Radio. We have Victor Carrington, author, um, with this crazy uh, autobiography about his life. You all definitely would want to go to Amazon and pick that up, as well as all the uh, book outlets to purchase that. And it's called Just When You Thought You Knew Me the by Victor Carrington. The in the life of Victor Carrington, y'all. Yeah. And you're originally from Virginia, right? Well, by way of being born in Germany. Germany and living here in New York and then back to Virginia. That's okay. where yeah. my family, my parents originated from. Okay. Halifax, Virginia. Okay. Halifax, awesome. Virginia. That's where I went to high school. Yes. Okay. Um, so. Uh, Let's just dive right on in. <laughs> diving right, right. Diving back <laughs> okay, in. Okay. They're diving me in. Okay. So, Brian. Yes, Brian. I read the book. Not all of it. Wait. So, Brian. I read a good part it. of this book. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Brian was talked about a lot. Brian had a significant role in my life and not the best way. Not at all. So. It started off good. Tell us how you met Brian and why it wasn't the best experience for you. So when I went to prison, this, uh, got sentenced the second time, I was in the Danville City Jail. Mm-hmm. And I got a 10-year sentence. In the jail, nervous. Okay, I'm going back to prison. You know, I had only been out less than two years. I'm going back. And so I came out to be, well, I used to get these letters from this person and I didn't know who, because I was in I block. He was in B block. We didn't interchange blocks. You know, inmates did not interchange. If you weren't in that block, you didn't, you know, unless someone came to the door and opened up, whatever. Unless you went to church, you would see someone going to church. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you didn't get to see. You got church in prison? Yeah. Wow. Sean, you are child. Uh, Listen. Yeah. He is the most naive individual when it comes to criminal activity, <laughs> justice for criminals, re- justice you reform, and prison. No. Mind you, his whole you family is gangster no. as hell. So you would think that, that he would know something. <laughs> his family is not no motherfucking cookie cutter family. These niggas <laughs> gamble. Shoot people and do all that oh, shit. Oh, you the innocent one. You the innocent but, one. Right, but he the he the wait. You're the jail one. has a church. God, bye. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you're canceled. So, so uh, <laughs> um, he was sending me these letters and I didn't know who he was. And one day he came and opened up the window to our cell block, and you know my nickname was Tweety. And he would. Where did that come from, Tweety? Because when I was a kid, I was I was at Barrett Learning Center. Uh-huh. You ain't and, find that offensive. No. Tweety? No. No, tell us where it came from. Tweety Tweety is like sweetie. Whatever. (laughs) So I was at um, Barrett Learning Center, my first probably big juvenile place that I went. Mm -hmm. And there was this kid named Broadnax. He was so talented. He could draw and he could route out Mm -hmm. in the wood and stuff. And I was a real small kid with a big head and big ears. And he said, you look like Tweety Bird. And he routed me. <laughs> this, he really made the Tweety Bird into this wood thing. And with this thing with, hi, I'm Tweety. And I held on to it for years. Oh, wow. And um, so that's where it came from. Okay. okay. So mm. 
I was someone said tweeted somebody at the door for you and I go and he said I'm the one that's been sending you the letters I'm Nard well I can say his name now but he said I'm Nard that's his real name this was the one from New York this was the one that's his real name he was from New Jersey uh, uh, he is from a uh, so Brian is Bernard Brian is Bernard he was a kingpin well that's a listen it's a lot of Bernards so anyway well he died so oh God rest Um, his soul he I'm the one that's been sending you the letters and I thought so Mm -hmm. and I walked away mind you not to cut you off, we're gonna we're gonna keep it up, Bernard. But you were in jail as a gay man. You made this jail experience seem like gay men need to go there. Yeah. Look <laughs> out. No, and like, no, that it is wasn't not. like how was it really for a gay man in prison? Because you made it seem like that is the hookup spot. No, that was not. The <laughs> and if you that gay, you should get arrested. The, the thing was with this book was I didn't want to put any sexuality stuff in this book at all. Mm-hmm. But my editor, we tussled back and forth for three days. And she said, Victor, you're writing an autobiography. People know that you're gay. If you don't give them some detail about your gay life, they're going to think everything else you're writing is fake. Cause Boy, they're gonna think, you okay, gave a whole this, detail. But he's not talking about what we already know about him. So why would we believe this? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I came out to be a trustee. And as a trustee, you go into everybody's catwalk. You feed them the trays through the slide. And you go collect the trays and, you know, whatever. Get towels or whatever. So you had an experience of being protected be- by the CEOs and being liked by not the inmates. Not in prison. Not in prison. Not in okay. prison. All right. Only so, in the jail. Not in the jail. Okay. Not in the jail. So I came out to be a trustee, and he would come and sit at the bars, and he called me Sunshine. I don't know why everybody wanted to change my So name. you had Tweety and Sunshine. Got you. And then eventually Champagne. But anyway. Ooh. Yes! <laughs> champagne but was anyway. in that white uh, so, jail, the redneck jail. Um... <laughs> He would talk to me, and then there was this guy who, this white guy who mm-hmm. came into jail. It was a big story in Danville. He had killed his wife and cut her, their unborn baby out there. Out of her wow. Body. I remember that, yes. So Ooh. he was in K-Block, which was isolation. They had him on suicide watch, and I used to go in there because no one wanted to go in there. I would go in there and give him his tray and take his tray. And one day he was in there just crying out of control. And I just stopped. I said, you know, you okay? What's wrong? And he was like, I'm going to die in here. No, I have no family. My wife's family don't love me. My family don't love me. And I really, being already insecure, I really went into a space where I don't want to end up alone like this. So I already yeah. knew Bernard was checking for me. So I just moved into his block <laughs> to get with him because I needed that moment of protection. protection and I knew right. that he was, you know, I needed someone to be there for to love me. that love. Right. And we were fine in the jail. We were actually fine. So, of course, I transferred first, not knowing if he but was But you did come. mention that he was very... Uh, in he liked shit. to be Yes, me. he was he always was very in his clutches. Yes, very But yeah. he wasn't abusive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that, you at know, that point. At that point. Right. I didn't, you know, uh, but I was young. And you had never been in any fights before? I had been in fights. I used to fight all the time. In fact, the only time my older sister and I have ever gotten along in life is when we were fighting people. <laughs> wow. That's a, well, shit. All three of us have the same parents, and she and I have hated each other from childhood. We have never gotten along. Wow. The few times we have tolerated each other have been few and far between. How is your relationship with your family now? We don't have a relationship. You don't have a relationship with your mother, your father, nobody? Mm-hmm. Is it because of the book? My mom, because I'm not hustling anymore, and then she wanted all of my money. She actually called the police to try to get me locked up again. Right, okay. That's how I ended up moving out of her right, house. Right, right, right. My dad, we formed a relationship when I was 32 for nine years. Everything was great. Mm-hmm until I had some back issues and I was rushed to the hospital. He and my stepmom mm-hmm. came down because they were listed as my emergency contact. My best friend and her mom rushed down. 
And then my friend from work came over and she had called two of my gay friends that she knew said, mm-hmm. you know, they were two at that time, they were two of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. And she said, you all need to get here because this looks bad. Mm-hmm. And they came in, they spoke to everybody, and they were introduced to my dad and my stepmom. Mm-hmm. And he kind of fell back. I didn't pay any attention to it. And then when I came here for Christmas the next year, my aunt was like, uh, I said, I don't know why, but your brother's just not answering my calls anymore. You know, what's going on with him? She said, well, you know, everybody in the South don't like the gay lifestyle. And I said, what do you mean? We talked about it. You know, he was really big on the Carrington name. Mm-hmm. He, and he told me, he said, as long as you are not doing anything to embarrass the family, you good, you working, you got your own home, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I said, but we talked about it and he was fine. And she said, but didn't you have two gay friends that come to the hospital? And I said, I also had other friends there. Why were they the two Singled mentioned? out, right. And that's right. what it was. He fell back and we have not spoken since then. That was in 2009. Wow. wow. And we, mind you, after all the years of not having a relationship because I thought I hated him, we went, did never discuss the letter I wrote him. We picked the ball up and we ran with it. Mm-hmm. That put me back in touch with my family here. That's how I started coming back up here in 2002. Coming I haven't seen Philly. my grandmother since mm-hmm. I was seven years old. My Any family up here or New right. York since I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. So, because my mom didn't let us come. Mm-hmm. And for me to come back up here, it was just love. It was right. and my cousin. It was Shanae needed Ship too. I, you know what I mean? Plus too. my cousin Shanae Ship, my <laughs> closest. I mean, I just love her. She's here and her aunt was my favorite aunt. She mm-hmm. died of breast cancer in 2008, and um, it was just so much love. We had fun, mm-hmm. and he and I had a great relationship. My stepmom and I, great. I was calling her mom, and I would call him like, "Mom, I'm hungry." She would, "Well, come on up here," because they kept food overflow of food right. in the freezer, and she would, you know, get me something and you know, for the week or whatever, we had a really great relationship. We, he and I would call each other at least four times a week. Wow. And then it just, because he saw two of my gay friends that really weren't flamboyant, but you knew they were gay, but Mm -hmm. literally they were there 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. They came and said, what can we do? And they told my friend, my friend Carolyn said, we need to get his car because they're going to keep him and we'll put it in my garage. And they left to go do that. So I guess it was the, f- and I don't know. I, I'm sorry because that's very unfortunate. Um, you you obviously. Especially because we you, were good. Right. And and on top of that, to me, you have, you uh, bring across an energy that, you know, you just, I'm, I'm big on energy. So I yeah. just feel like. You're a decent person. You know I what I mean? You're be. not malicious. I, I go to the you're left a little evil. bit sometimes. Everybody does. But right. at the end of the day. Especially me, right? You live in the left. Shh. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's be honest. Okay. Um, but yeah, we were really good. He and I, he came there when I bought my first home. Do you think you guys can get back? Oh, no. We'll never get back. It's, it's, it's to Is the it point that of no bad? Return. It's that bad because. He's going around. He was going around telling everyone that I was faking in the hospital and imitating how I was. And I was literally in pain. I have a lot of hardware on my spine from those injuries before the hardware came, you know, mm-hmm. as we were building up to it. And he he just. And the, the back problem was an issue when Bernard initially felt no, like he bended your back, right? I, it probably could have started, started, but it, I didn't I have any started. pain from okay. then after that. You know, I didn't feel But it, it was probably accident. wear and tear that right. started right. from there. Yeah, because that was kind of a hard thing. Because you So went was through- the relationship with Brian in your book that bad? It was really, I would say, so I got trained. They called me to leave. And you know, well, you don't know, because, but you know, when you get called yeah. to leave, you're going to the system. You don't know where you're going mm-hmm. until you pull up to the gate. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely don't know. Because they don't tell you where you're going for security purposes. Mm-hmm. You say you're going to keep in touch. I wrote back to him 
and I didn't hear anything back. So I was like, okay, whatever. I wasn't seeing anyone else, but I just wasn't thinking about him. Mm -hmm. And maybe a month and a half had gone by, mm -hmm. and I get this call. Someone said, tweeted, someone up and receive and asked about you. I was like, who is it? Some nigga named Nard. I was like, who? <laughs> and some nigga named Nard asked about you. I was like, whatever. And then, because at that time, this particular prison, the receiving unit was building six. Mm -hmm. dorm A and B and it was a wall separated with a closed off door and then all of a sudden when they came into the building it said no nah, somebody wants you at the, at the door tweet and I go and look and it was him I was like oh but I wasn't checking for him because I was like dude I wrote you a month and a half ago you didn't write me back so I'm like we good we had our moment we good mm -hmm. that day in the mail that letter came <laughs> wow. so I kind of felt like it was my like so, okay, uh, let me go head on, whatever. Not knowing at that time that him being in there and then running to some of his gophers from the street, yeah. that it boosted his ego. And he started getting drugs and drugs and drugs in there. And he had people ODing off of raw heroin. Wow. Inside of prison? I mean, we were, oh, yeah. yeah. We were living, it goes down. We were living wow. large in prison. It goes But <laughs> whenever he would get mad, Sheesh. he would come take everything from me down to my soup. My toothbrush, my toothbrush yeah. holder, because he knew that was his control over. And me. you didn't have. You said you had got the, you had the job cleaning. Well, just before that, I stopped okay. getting money from home he, because, because he because he told you because to. he was like, "It's my." And job you were young. You were like twenty. Twenty-one. Yeah. Years old, something. Okay. Well, he gonna take care of me. Blah blah blah. Not knowing all of the attachments that come with it. If it's his money, it's his rules. I didn't know that. Right. Wow. And so, how are you in a relationship now? No. Okay. So, with relationships that you deal with, you make sure that you. You don't have that. Oh no, problem no, anymore. no one can ever take care of me like that again. Should you can damn near tell me to shut up and I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I, because I just don't have time for that. I mean, I'm too seasoned for that. Mm -hmm. And I was young, I was 21, and yeah. I don't have time for that. And because of the experiences, when I look back on that was a dark moment of putting this book together it, during it the week that I did. Very, very messed up. He like. was very controlling. And the day he told me that he would see me in a pine box before he see himself without me. And then the first day he wow. when the day, first day he punched me in my face, I was like, "Oh, this is really happening. This is really surreal." But and did I you not no feel help. like it was going to mount to that? Cause y'all were no, arguing all the I, time, right? Well, he used to threaten me a lot, but I used to fight and I used to have mouth and I used to be like, "You ain't gonna do nothing to me," blah blah blah. And he would never do it because by the time we physically saw each other, he had calmed down. But not saying that I that it was my fault that he did it the mm -hmm. first time, but mm -hmm. I do know I contributed to it because I accept I own my behavior. If I do it, I say it, I own it. He had been involved with this transsexual from years ago. He told me that he hadn't seen and this person from years he went and from years being, ago. He went from being a, a, a straight man to liking transsexuals to straight out being gay. No, the thing is, and we all know, well, he those was in type prison. of men like transsexuals. Who? Who? You said all type of men? I said those type of men. Who, what, thug men, kingpins? Like, what, you don't go to hell, Lord. But when I met him, that was his third time in prison. Y'all. So I don't know if he just <laughs> indulged every time he was in prison or what. But he told me, he, he voluntarily told me about this person. And he hadn't said anything. He said that he hadn't spoken to this person over four years. Mm -hmm. I went in his locker literally looking for something one day when mm -hmm. he was at the library and saw this bag of letters. I thought, oh, let me see. Because I noticed he was getting a lot of mail. Right. And I said, let me see who this is. And I, and all of a sudden I saw all these money orders and recent <laughs> letters and recent <laughs> some from that week. Now, mind you, 
I'm 21. If I had been on my game at that time, I wouldn't have cared because the money was taking care of me. Mm-hmm. I would have just paid it and kept it moving. Mm. But because I felt like you telling me you love me, and now you have this person writing you, I have a problem with this. Right. So I brought it up to him. I said, when the last time you heard from Gigi? I ain't heard from Gigi in about and four, five years. And then he was like, liar! And I was like, but <laughs> Gigi just sent you money this week. Oh, right. And he was like, how you know? I saw I saw it in your locker. And before I knew, it was like, bam. <laughs> Damn. Oh, <laughs> you know, in the eye. so that kind of woke me up real quick. Thank God. Well, look, we're about to get into this other song. There's so much, but you know what? We can't give it all away here because we'll be here to 12 o'clock talking about this book, y'all. So we giving y'all some little spillers, some spillers and some spoilers. Go get the book. Go get it. The life of Victor Carrington. And mind you. Oh, it's a lot. This is about an African-American gay male growing up in the 80s and going through his, uh, you know, life ills and learning about his journey. And there's something that you mentioned in the back of the book, Tours of Reflections, that I want to bring up when we come back. Okay. Um, we're going to get into this next show, uh, song. Sean, what is coming? What, what song is Yo, Jaden Smith is out here killing it. This is his new song called Batman. Jaden Smith, Will the Smith. Yes. yes. It's it's the Drop Night Show um, on Water Ice Radio. Stay, come back, y'all. We're back. It's the Drop Night Show. I'm your girl, K Wonder, with my co-host, Sean Beasley. Yep. We have author Victor Carrington, okay, with his a critically acclaimed book, In the Building. But right In now, let's, let's get into, um, we got to give our, our pay some bills and, and yeah, talk sure. to our sponsors. Shout out to Samson Technology for sponsoring our show. They actually sponsor all the Water Ice Radio's um, podcasts. They supply all of the equipment for us to produce these shows. So we definitely want to shout out to our major sponsor, Samson Technology. Also sponsor um, and shout out to Water Ice Radio, which is our parent company. Uh, Make sure you go to waterice.com to sign up for the email list to stay connected to everything, um, your everyday scoop of everything Philly. I know I'm going to say that. But also with Water Ice, you can also get these free Globe Trotter tickets. Okay, we're giving away free two, I believe, uh, free Globe Globe free. Harlem F R E E free Harlem Globe Trotter tickets. They're coming to Philadelphia. So if you want to take your kids or your girl or your guy to have some fun and watch some and see some good basketball skills, definitely go to waterice.com to sign up and get those and make sure you sign up for that email blast so you can make sure you have your scoop to everything philly um so now we're back into this all right we're gonna sum it up because we have so we wait can, a minute we Let's can talk be about... here for like a whole like i said before the before the song we could be here for a whole nother hour no we're gonna keep victor here the whole show yeah we have some other uh topics, topics to talk about into. you know it is you know black history even though black people only get a little short 28 days <laughs> <laughs> 28 days. That's enough. But um, so what change is coming. Yes. Lord, so thank what you. I wanted to talk about. So you had the situation, right? When you start doing this book and you was employed. Yes. So tell us the story about that employer who. How would I say it? Who terminate you? Be terminated you because of your book. Uh, so I work for TG Hair Care, Bedhead, Catwalk, S Factor, Bedhead for Men, 
Um, oh, wait. Okay. So what is your profession right now? Do you right have- now, I'm a compliance regulatory specialist, customer service specialist for an uh, energy company. I handle all their state agency complaints for, oh, for, wow. for the energy company. Okay. Wow. So I was working for TG Hair Care. And you currently live where? In Dallas. Dallas, Texas. Okay. Uh, TG is based in Louisville, Texas, so the corporate office. So I was there. And I went to the general manager, Elisa, and I told her, I said, hey, I have a book coming out. She was like, oh, what is it about? I said, well, it's my autobiography. And she said, oh, okay, did you mention TG? I said, no. She said, then then you're fine. Well, then the book came out um, while I was here, actually, in 2015. It came out. That's what I was saying before when I tried to book when they said no when I went to Amazon you don't get to choose a date once you send them your package it rolls they out roll it okay so I was here in a hotel and I got noticed oh my god your book is amazing I was like how do you know and it was because like, it's online I said oh so anyway um everything was going fine everybody in the office was buying the book because it went to number one it came out about 8 30 p.m the night of December 29th by 10 a.m December 30th it was number one wow so it beat Muhammad Ali's latest autobiography two of the four weeks that it was wow number one so i was super excited about that so, so did you get real paid off of that book or like i got it was it's still selling so okay it's, it's doing so you well. still getting paid well. all it's right well. get paid so man. um but you know bills gotta be paid when you gotta pay your production and all that <laughs> stuff so anyway um went to my general manager told her the book was coming out she was like okay fine whatever whatever we all took a business trip to cancun mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the people from the field the sales people the stylists the cutters the colorists everybody was there and they heard about this book so everybody was buzzing about this book it was about maybe four or five hundred of us there mm-hmm. so they were buzzing about this book so everybody was buying it and because this is something they never knew about me because people tell me and i appreciate i don't look like what i've been through people mm-hmm. say that well because um, you should look real bad so what they said is that um, we would have never imagined this, you know. And I've even had people question this book because they said I don't fit the mold mm-hmm. for someone who's going through mm-hmm. this. So in doing over in Cancun, everybody was buying the book. Everything was going great. And when we came back, I hired a publicist, and we started my book tour. I did a six-state, multiple-city book tour. Everybody went crazy about this book. And the moment I started going on TV, because I had to do, my publicist had me doing media whenever I would go to an area to do a book signing. Uh, NBC and Shreveport was my first television interview. Mm-hmm. TG lost their mind. So the HR called me in the office and, well, you know, Victor, um, I've heard about your book and heard it's a really good book. An attorney for the company read the book, but we just feel like you can't talk about it at work. And I'm telling her I don't discuss it at work. If someone asks me how the sales or how's the book tour, I would say it's fine, but I don't give the details because I wanted people to read it. Mm-hmm. And she just kept stressing on about how she couldn't do this if she wanted to because she, you know, she would never put a public business out there, blah, 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 blah. Basically discriminating against me. And then a month later, I was let go, and I was told that it was because they were restructuring the education department, but I was the only one at that time let go. And it took almost eight months before another person was let go. Wow. wow. So, man, jeez. And at the time, I was scheduled to give a kidney away. And I recorded that conversation, because in Texas, you can do that. Oh. And I forgot all about it. You still have it? I do. And I... um. 
was going to uh, give a kidney away to a close friend of mine in Virginia. Did you give a kidney away? No, because our heart wasn't strong enough oh, for it. Wow. So we wow. have to wait till our heart gets stronger. But at the time, that's what we were doing. We were focused on the testing and everything. And once we found out I was a match and I could give it to her, that's what my focus was. And I said, okay, my severance will take care of me for the rest of the year. I won't have to work while I'm recovering, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And then cleaned out my phone one day, I saw it. So I sent it to them. Ooh. And none of them ever responded. So they know it exists, mm-hmm. but none of them ever responded. Well, look, we... We are glad... Look, we would love to hear that. Sean, <laughs> please. So listen, um, just to sum this you up, want, all right? You don't want to hear that? No, 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 I don't want to hear that. I, I, I think that could be a lawsuit somewhere if we really wanted to take that rope. Yeah. You know, but it's probably... Not, not because I've signed my severance, so okay. it's not. Yeah, it's, so it is what it is. Yeah. But, but you still should put it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so damn that company. So damn that so, company. So out of this book, out of you writing your autobiography, um, Victor, what did you want the world... Um, specifically young black uh, males who may be struggling with their identity of um, possibly being, you know, gay or even straight and, um, you know, having to deal with all the things you went through as far as family and manipulation and wanting to be loved. And, like, out of this book, I know we didn't even get to the other end of it, and that's something I want to say for all of our listeners and our followers to actually go themselves and get the book and read it because we don't want to give all the tea away. But um, <laughs> it's definitely a good read. But what did you want the reader to grasp from this book You know, the biggest thing... When I put it out, I really didn't have an objective. Um, But then when I started, because I volunteered with the Department of Corrections in North Carolina for a long time before moving to Dallas. Mm. Um, But then once it came out and the attention was so wide with it, I thought, okay, well, my purpose for this is, number one, everyone that wakes up doesn't want to go and be a criminal. Mm -hmm. That's just not what we do. Um, there are circumstances in every situation, and I think people need to listen to those circumstances. Unfortunately, the courts did not consider my. They knew my mother was involved, mm-hmm. but they, because I never rolled over on her, they never, you know. Could ever. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, from an LGBTQ uh, perspective, because I grew, did the bulk of my growing up in a country area What's where. LGBTQ? Lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, queer. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't know. I that heard part. they were trying yeah. to put a P on it there's, too. There's another well, letter that the I'm just thinking. The uh, P is pedo. Pe- 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 pedo. They were trying to put pedo. What does pedo mean? Pedophiles. No, that can't be a wow. LGBTQ They were trying community. to. They were wow. trying to, and it's on social media. Some people have it, and they were, and then the LGB community was like, no, da 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 da. Yeah, that's messy. Yeah. But okay, um, not to cut you off. But I wanted to know, wanted people to understand that. It's okay to be who you are. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be who I was at that time in the 80s because as we, we saw with Whitney Houston, it wasn't a thing to do. Mm-hmm. Find you a support system. The biggest lesson I had to learn with being gay because I've attempted suicide several times. That is another thing that I wanted to bring and I'm glad you did. You you start, you start Your first attempt at suicide was a ch- when you were uh, a child and you tried to cut yourself with a butter knife. I tried to open my appendectomy scar. Right. Yeah. You tried to cut wow. yourself with a butter knife. And then another time you did it was I as a pills. teenager and you took the pills. 
So you were working, you were suffering from depression and it was because I I was a lonely kid. I was really lonely. I didn't have friends Mm -hmm. and I didn't have family until I was needed for something. Right. My sisters basically used me. My little sister and I didn't develop a relationship until I was in prison the second time. Mm -hmm. My older sister and I, again, have never had a relationship. Mm -hmm. So it was lonely being me. It was really lonely. And so growing up, now knowing that I was gay, things have changed now. People can come out and they can, you know, but it's okay. And for me, I had to choose who my family was. Right, right. Just because they're blood doesn't mean they have to be family. Oh, thank you. And I had to choose family. I have family, like friends here, friends in almost every state in this country that I can go to. That's why I didn't put... My friend Carolyn said, uh, Carolyn Kerr. And Who's Durham, in the North book? Carolina. She is, she in, is the in the book. That's mm-hmm. my boo. She uh, is the reason I went to show, actually. Um, she said, you didn't put anything in the book about how you travel the world, how you live this fabulous life, how you do this, how you do this. I said, because I don't want to come off as I'm bragging, and I definitely don't want people to think that it's going to happen to everybody that's going through prison, because it's not. Yeah, because you did mention you were living a life, traveling I every do, week. I have been, I'm going to tell you, I have been very fortunate. Mm-hmm. God has been very good to me. So Amen. that's why I put the photos in here. Mm-hmm. So those that know me will know, okay, well, he's silly. He likes to have fun, and, you know, this and that, what have you. Um, but then... Um, you know, right? I didn't want to just say, okay, well, you know, I'm traveling the world. I'm about three homes. I blah blah blah. I don't want people to think I'm I was bullshit, right, right? Right? But I had to choose my family, and I can tell you, there's not a state in this country that I can go to and not have someone that I can call on at least for some drinks and some dinner or something. And that makes me feel so good because now I feel the love of those that I'm close to, right? Right. Um, that I didn't feel growing up. And in the book, you're very, very descriptive about your sexual intercourses. <laughs> I didn't. To be fair, straight people have cling to those. Yes. They love I, I think, I think about you, those. you've taught us women <laughs> okay, how to deal with certain penitentiary penetra- I'm not doing this penetration for her. in but certain the one areas. Thing I want to say about that is that every man that goes to prison doesn't indulge in the gay life. Thank you. Okay. Although that is a perception that if a man goes to prison, he is going my publicist had said, Oh, if he goes to prison, he can't do nothing for me because I know he and I said he can't do you can't be like that. That's right. so blind. Because really when you're in prison, it's sort of like being in a college. Like a But frater- not only that, if you're not attracted to it, you're not gonna do it. You're not it. gonna do it. Right. Like if you're a sound like mind you, a lot of men do have a curiosity, but some don't cross the line. Right. And then there are those who do. But all right, let's move it forward. So you did graduate college. I've got two degrees, yes. Okay, so tell us your Which degrees. Which surprises a lot of people that that's what part of my blessing is. I came home because I worked hard, and I had the determination that I was not going to go back to prison. Mm-hmm. Because the stranger in prison on my second bed when I was going to commit suicide helped me understand that, mm-hmm. without even me asking him, that I had been manipulated by my mom. And I didn't understand at the time, but I now understand that that was God sending him to me. Yeah, you said right. he uh, screamed at you because he was about to walk away. I was, I was a hothead, and he, I had told him two times. He asked, why were you here? And I said, I got caught, blah, blah, blah. And he kept asking. I got up to walk away. He like, sit down, you know. And, of course, this is big black man. I'm scared. I'm in prison <laughs> thinking, okay, oh, my God. You know, I'd already been through one abusive relationship. I almost had the attempted gang rape by seven dudes. I'm like, okay. Oh, yes. Down. And, you know, and he asked the question, and I said, 
I pretended to start thinking about it, but then the reality hit and I really started thinking about it and that's what happened. And I knew when I came home that I was never going to go back to that life again. So I had the determination to do whatever it took to stay free. What are the degrees you have? Uh, my two-year degree is in business management, and my degree from Shaw is in business administration with a concentration in management. There we go. There we go. So this this is a book of true adversity, but right. you always talk about and always reflect back to you did find god at one particular point when Absolutely. you were about to face prison i think it was for the second or third time you well were like, everybody finds god in prison right well you even <laughs> that was a very that was you, you found god that day but, bef I did. but before yeah, you, did. you actually went to prison you mentioned that you were i had praying to god you had joined well, church, church but right. that was only because I was told that the pastor, Bishop Lights, could get everybody out of trouble. They got into <laughs> trouble. And my friend Inez said, if you go see this pastor, he can get you out of trouble. So at that time, it was, I was doing whatever it took to get me out of trouble. Mm -hmm. And I went, but of course, that didn't work. And I understand now that this was my experience that I had to go through to get to this point. Because had I gotten out of trouble or had I made second parole, I would have been back to my hustle and nothing would have changed. That's right. I understand that my being there, that's why I tell people with this whole thing that people were criticizing the mass incarceration. I said, listen, I almost got to fight in the barbershop a couple of years ago about this when Hillary mm -hmm. was running. I said, listen, if you want to be totally honest and transparent about this, mass incarceration saved the lives of many men and women. Let's just be clear. Because had they come home early, they would have been back to their hustle. But because I stayed in and had to face my time, and because of that day, that stranger made me understand why I was in there without even me asking for it, it made me understand. I had never blamed my mother. So it made me understand that, okay, this is where I've been and why I got here. This is where I break. So you do right. still blame her Absolutely, but, because she but do you take any me. type of ownership for it as well? I could have stopped as a teenager, but when you're making as much money as I, well, I was making over a thousand dollars a week. Sometimes I was Sheesh. making three to five thousand dollars a week. For still, because see, I didn't go get stuff to try to sell it. I had stuff people were waiting for it, mm -hmm. and I was the one that would come out of the store with three to five thousand dollars worth of merchandise at a time. Mm -hmm. Wow! I didn't play with it. That was my business from. Monday to Thursday, that was my business. Friday to Sunday, I partied. Your last and final stunt in prison was when? What year was that? I went in in January of 1993 and came home in March of 2001. And haven't looked back since. I this will is your not journey. look back. I did go back to volunteer, but that was it. That was it. Awesome. So listen, I want to talk about this real quick before we get to the break. Um, no, actually, we'll wait for it after the break. I think this is good closing. So let's get into this next song. We're, um, we're And then we, we still have to get to a really quick segment of uh, Stay, Stay Woke. Woke. But it's about, remember you said your, your boyfriend was selling Heron. So it's about, he said he had a lot of people OD'd in Heron because of this oh, yeah. man. So this the segment of the show, uh, my Stay Woke segment is going to be about that. But we'll get back. Let's get into this next song. What's that show? Bruno Mars, Versace on the floor. Make sure y'all go out and catch this man on tour. It's amazing. Yes, on the Drop Night Show, a Water Ice Radio. We'll be back. Yo, what's the Drop Night Show? It's your man, Sean BC. We are back. Me, K Wonder, and I guess Victor Carrington. Boy, oh boy, was this show juicy. And I tell mm. you, his mm. book, you mm. definitely need to go mm. pick his book up. Yes, Just When You Thought You Knew Me by Victor Carrington, okay? 
the highs and lows in the life of Victor L. Carrington. But you know what? Um, Wait a minute. Before you get into that, now. This day. Now you. I'm going to introduce Kate Wonder because she does this segment called Stay Woke. Right now, we all need to stay woke. There's a lot going on. Stay woke. K-Wonder on the Drop Night Show. Thank you, Sean Beasley. That was like the best introduction ever. <laughs> was it him or was it Sean? <laughs> like his right. Sean. So, listen, this, this segment, um, normally I talk about like something, you know, black or brown that, black, you know, us people have done that we don't get credit for and things of that nature. But today I want to talk about something that came out in the uh, paper yesterday I thought it was very, very interesting and something for us to all really take into mind and also think and hopefully see that the rest of the United States um, will start doing this. Um, it came out that Camden County, um, which is in New Jersey, um, is the bottom suing. of the barrel. Camden County is a vast amount of cities. It's not just Camden City. Camden County, not just the city. Anyway, um, they're suing big pharmaceutical companies for all the money they spent on trying to fight the opiate addiction problem. And I reflect that back to what... Um, what, what what Victor was saying while he was in prison, he was dating a man who would flood the prison with heroin and several people have OD'd on it. Now, opiates are a form, the opiate pill, which is like the perks and all that stuff. That is very big thing that everyone talks about, I believe. Um, Future made a song about it. You know, um, it's just a big thing, and it's an epidemic around the, the, the whole United States that actually has been taking lives of young kids, of, you know, uh, adults, and so on and so forth. But Camden County actually is, is the first to fire off and suing the big pharmaceutical companies. And I think this is a, a, a major thing because in order to stop the issue, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You should really go to the root of it. So if the root of the issue is the heroin, uh, excuse me, the pharmaceutical companies producing these pills that are now being sold or given out so freely, um, I feel like they're trying to 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 get to the root of the issue. I don't that's think a that's it. I, I definitely think yeah. that because, and I'm going to use this Florida shooting as an example. Did you all see the students on that? Um, Trump with Trump. They had that town. No, you know how much money with Mark Rubio. Do you know how much money they raised? They raised a lot of money. three point five million dollars. Here's the thing. White people, and I hate to go to race with this. I do, but it you is what to. it is. You have, you have to. to. White people will throw each other under the bus for a dollar. Of course. Right. And unfortunately, people's lives are at stake. The drug business is a billion-dollar business for a bunch of these white people behind the scene. Correct. Mm -hmm. Prisons are a billion-dollar business for Correct. a bunch of... How do you think Michael Jordan got to be as rich as he is? Oh, we're not going to talk about... We had that conversation <laughs> when we had our shoe. I mean, his shoe uh, is something, but he invests in those private... He's a private investor. Wait a minute, right. it, it, that's a, a catch-22, too. Okay, I'm going to invest into this, but, if, but guess what? I'm going to invest millions of dollars into communities. And but give, no, he's doing that. He's not. He's listen, not doing he that. He gives millions of dollars to people 
these kids who wear like it's a school that he donates shoes, uniforms. But to specific, come on, compared to the billions of dollars this man made, you can't give listen, one single out one little school or one listen, little. Listen, uh, speaking from my basketball camp of prison. And it's so much worse than when I was in there. At least we could have wear our own clothes sometimes. Yeah, and y'all, y'all had TVs. Yeah, we all had types TVs of shit. and all that. It's not like I have a friend of mine that's locked up now. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. And you have these big corporations, Walmart, Victoria's Secret, all these stores, Whole Foods, benefiting all these inmates for free mm-hmm. labor. The most money I made an hour was 80 cents an hour. And that was wow. because I was in an enterprise and I was sewing the shoulders of T-shirts mm-hmm. that were sold all around the world. You have these inmates that are out in these gardens six, seven hours a day with no sunscreen. Like they don't care about slavery you. You shit. It's the new slavery. It's the new form of slavery. It is. That's exactly but what I it prefer, is. And let's bring it back to the big. So you're saying that just because they're suing this. And mind you, they're probably going to get, if they do, and find grounds to win their case. They're probably going to get back maybe like two, three, four, five million, maybe even maybe 20. But what's that to billions of dollars that these companies it's are doing? It's nothing. Right. But it's not going to do still, anything. I, I, I want to believe that it does. I want to believe I mean, that it does. Because, I mean, this is like does. the whole NRA thing. The people that are benefiting, the politicians that are benefiting from the NRA are not going to vote against it simply because it's taking money out, out of, of their, their pocket. Right. The drug game is the same way. Do you really think, okay, for Bernard, I used to wonder how, because when he got moved into my dorm, it scared me. How did you do this? You know, money. He had the captain in his back pocket. So wow. the captain was allowing him to bring the drugs in? I think he had officers that were bringing them in, and he also paid people to go to the visiting room to get them to swallow balloons for him. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say, of all the bad stuff, I will say he's never asked me. I would never see it. I didn't touch it. He's never asked me to move it. I wasn't a part of that. I did reap the benefits of it, but I was. He, he did respect me in that right. But with the the way he had free range over that whole camp of a thousand men, I think the captain was using, and he had him in his back pocket. Wow. Well, because money moves people, and drugs is a easy money operation. Yeah. Remember is. that movie King of New York? Mm-hmm. The same way. Wow. The police, even mm-hmm. with Denzel's movie Train. Um, training Day. Training Day. No, not Training Day. That, but then the other one, when he, it was a real life story. Um, oh, um, when he, shit. the dude from North Carolina, the drug killer. Oh, Blue Magic. Blue no, Magic. no, no, not Blue Magic. It was American he, Gangster. American it was about Gangster. the Blue yeah, yeah, Magic yeah. drug. Yeah. Okay. That's real. Yeah, You very have people real. that are getting their hands dirty and the money is real for those people. Do you think every time they do a bus, they collect it and turn it no, in? No, of no, course they're not. not. Right. But my whole thing is if, if, if. These big pharmaceutical companies have enough cities or c- counties pointing the finger at them. If, if it starts with Camden County and then it goes to the next county, the next city, the next county, the next city, something's got to change. But something's what, got but to change. What? And it's not the fact that it's not going to stop, all right? It's the fact that it'll be regulated a lot better. Because right. all, all we need is a little more regulation because it's so easy to get. It's ridiculously easy. But what juror? But what juror is going to agree? Jury. What jury is going to agree to say they was the cause all of these this damn, academic? Look, come on. If you're that, a human so, being no, no, no. and you see all these people that have no, died because of I it, I am kids. on the fence with that because if you get a prescription 
It tells you what to take, how to take it, Sean, how much to take it. We all know that, but who all really follows instructions on anything That is nowadays? on you. That's no, not Sean, on the pharmaceutical company. You're missing company. the point. The point is people get the drugs a lot easier because of these there, and mind you, my, my nephew, not to throw my nephew under the bus or anything, but he works in the pharmaceutical industry. They will give certain perks to certain doctors that will continue to purchase certain pills from them. So if this one doctor is getting perks from the pharmaceutical companies to continue to buy pills, what the fuck? I, I, all that Let shit me ask out you the this. door. Of all the research of all the years and all the cancer and the death, do you really think they, they have, have it? Been? That's exactly. why Doctor CB and CB died because he was curing. It this. is a billion dollar industry. I'm gonna tell. Uh, okay, okay. Look, I'm gonna tell you. As long as you live in America, you might as well say we're all damned. No, I'm gonna tell you something. So my cousin works for this pharmaceutical. You won't be company. two days. Let it out, please. Just get to no, the roll it out. No, he worked for a pharmaceutical company that created the drug Prep. Okay. Prep is well, a drug. Prep is not a drug. It's Trivada. It, Prep is a drug that people could take to prevent from catching HIV or AIDS. But that's not a 100% effective drug, right. though. But, but they do have but the cure. What they what happened can. was the state cut funds for them, but started to give the company down the street research for cancer more money. So it's always a cure for something that they create. And your point? <laughs> Shut up. She always trying to get me. Like, what the fuck is you saying? I'm just... I, I, I'm just saying like, from this because because of the billions of dollars that things come in from drugs and all these other I don't it's think not anybody's gonna change. ever ever stop because I don't think you got these big politicians that are benefiting from it. Of course, and that's the whole thing. As long as Americans find the balls to stand up and start pointing the finger at these motherfuckers nowadays like they have been, I there hear has you. to be some change. I hear you, but there I don't has think to that's be. gonna happen. There has that's to be. not gonna I'm happen. I'm not saying it's gonna dead the situation, but, but I'm that's like it's when I referenced it. this school shooting last week as tragic as it was the blessing out of this is that it awakened the millennials so even with the families that support trump no matter what he does those kids are not Not and they're gonna vote when i said when i saw the buses driving up to the capitol laying on sidewalk i was Mm -hmm. so happy for them Mm -hmm. that they were taking a stand because before it was like we're going with our parents whatever whatever. it takes and i think he unleashed a demon with those. Mm-hmm. And you know and what? To say that There's... you want to put guns in the hands of teachers is retarded. Oh, it's retarded. No, because, mind really you, what happened when there was a teacher that was strapped to fill up Castro? What happened to getting spankings? And... Hell no. <laughs> you, know, listen, you better go ahead because if you touch any of my kids listen. in anybody's school, no, no, I'm going to come up Hold there that. with my gun. My principal <laughs> in elementary school, Mr. McAdams, one of the nicest guys, he had this big old paddle those and times he are done and gone. Me. And you love him. And you love him. <laughs> I wonder if he still has that paddle. Lord Jesus. But listen, <laughs> we're going to close. Has it, what he's up to these days. We're going to close this out, all right? You know, Victor, it was such a pleasure having you. But I want to revert Thank real you. quick. I'm going to revert real quick before we're about to close out. The show's okay. over at 10. Um, and your reflection, mind you. And mind you, we're going to have to there play. There was a lot of reflection. We got some good mixes by K Mixon, our DJ, but we didn't get to it this week because this show was just explosive. Harassment. So we will definitely have you get ever, to it. Have you ever experienced harassment at a job? I did, actually, recently on the job that I'm on now. Oh. Um, customer service manager, uh, Yolanda Boone. And you got to tell this in, like, one Oh. Minute. Okay. She told a straight CSR that she had that she had this female cousin that she wanted to introduce him, her, him to, that he could, she could raise, he could uh, 
she could help him raise this little girl. He would be good. She was curvaceous. So she asked him, could she show him a photo of her? And it was me in the photo of a towel that's in the back of my butt. What? <laughs> and she got away with it. She got to keep her job. Wow. I was wow. not happy. Well, once it's in a book, it's kind of public but but, but information. That's, but it, that's fine, but you using it, you present it to him as if you're going to show him a photo of a female cousin, and you mm -hmm. show you are, you don't know if that man is homophobic or not. You are. He could have came he over and came I set her up right. to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it just wasn't cool. It wasn't cool at it all. It isn't. But listen, let's get into this. Wow. In the back of your book, you have reflections, and it was the first actual um, paragraph, uh, a couple of sentences that you said mm. that really got to me. And it is profound and it does have some truth. Life has a strange way of showing you what you need to do. It can be an amazing journey if you pay attention. And that is factual and actual. And I uh, just wanted to say that because when you're going through certain trials and tribulations in your life and everyone looks at it as Oh me or 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 why, why me? me right but instead of saying how is this going to benefit me and how am i going to come out even more victorious if i don't let this break me down you know what i mean so i definitely commend you for telling your life story you know what made me write that i'm saying what made me say that was because i had seen so many guys become institutionalized in prison mm -hmm. they didn't have outside communication mm -hmm. And all they knew was prison. And a funny story about me, when I first came home, I was in my bed, sleeping in my room at my mom's house, and the phone rang. I literally stood up and stood by the foot of my bed thinking it was a count bell because I had been counted so many right. times. Right. And it took me a second, and when I felt the carpet on my feet, I realized, oh, what am I doing? You know. And I said that because in prison, so many guys don't pay attention. I've seen guys get raped. Mm. and taking advantage of because you're not paying attention. Guys get institutionalized that don't know anything outside of what's in that gate. Stay, as you said, stay woke, mm -hmm. pay attention to your surroundings, and understand what your worth is. Mm -hmm. You, This doesn't define you. My past doesn't define me. Right. When people see me, they are shocked. Even at the company I'm at now, mm -hmm. they found out about the book, and some of them are like, oh, my God, we would have never thought this about you. And I'm glad that you don't. Remember, stay woke. Don't always right. count me out. Because, <laughs> right. you know, don't always and, count and me out. you got to understand that some of these trials and tribulations that people go through in life, people always revert to the mind state of, oh, I'm broken or it broke me. And it's like, you're not broke your bent you right. know what i mean it was a a, a a curve in your life that was going to push you up that mountain you know what i mean and people don't understand that if you always look at every little trial that you're in tribulation some, some, trials, some trials i will tell you people go through can I be have really had some trials but, yeah, I will tell and, you, and some but can that be makes very hard that makes you who you are it makes me who i am yeah. everything that i have gone through good bad and indifferent even things that i did not mention in this book I will not change a thing mm -hmm. because those experiences gives you Victor L. Amen. Amen. So, Victor, real quick, tell everybody where they can get the book, you where they can, can follow you on social on media. Amazon.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Vic2731. You can follow me on Instagram at Victor L. Carrington. Or you can follow me on uh, Facebook at Victor L. Carrington. I, you know. You know, this is just me. Do you I have a website for the book, excited. too? It's I did have one, but it wasn't getting a lot of traffic, so okay. I shut it down. Okay. Um, hey, listen. 
I am super excited about this project. I did not expect after two years that it would still be as powerful as it is and people still want to yeah. hear about it. But I am super thankful. And that lets me, com that confirms to me that I did the right thing. Correct. Right. Because there was a lot of insecurities in the beginning, whether or not my friend Lee Gregory, I'm calling you out, said to me, and he said, what about your job? Are you gonna think about that? And I said, it's my life, my right, right. And then I ended up losing that job and it was a really great job at TG. Um, but I feel like, because if your story does not cause anger, then mm -hmm. you didn't do the right thing. All right. Or spark something. You Fact. know what I mean? And I think, what did this spark in you? Okay. What is, it sparked some, some, some sexual feelings. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Yay, porn turns me on. If you focus on the sexual you're going to miss the porn. I'm oh sorry. All right, no. I'm just, being, I'm just being funny. I didn't want to put that in here, but it did feel good when it was happening. No, you know, it just showed me. <laughs> it showed me how, where you come from in life, and what you've been through does not define this. When I said I was going to do this, I said if I wasn't going to be transparent and totally honest, I didn't want to do it. All right. Well, you know what? Thank you so much, Victor, for being Absolutely. here. That is officially Yo, the end of the show. Thank you, Victor Carrington, Follow for stopping. Follow the Drop Night Show next Thursday. We'll be back. We have another guest coming in every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Water Ice Radio. Get the free tune-in app to find us and follow us on social media, The Drop Night Show on Twitter, The Drop Night Show on Facebook, and The Drop Night Show on Instagram. And we out. Branded just drop. like that.